0: Welcome to this episode of TES Podagogy. I'm Helen Amas. I'm Deputy Commissioning Editor here at TES, and I'm joined today by Rachel Lofthouse, who is Professor of Teacher Education at Leeds Beckett University. Thank you for joining us, Rachel. You're very welcome. Um, So, Rachel, a lot of the work that you do is around uh, mentoring and coaching, Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, And you've called mentoring a Cinderella activity in schools. Can you explain what you mean by this?
1: yes, I can. I think um, when we're talking about mentoring of student teachers or newly qualified teachers, it's often something which is unrewarded it's something which is expected to be done it's necessary it's part of the you know the the, the range of support that we give our early career teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often something which is undertaken by individuals who've got a commitment to it, but not necessarily um, people who are allocated sufficient time. Mm -hmm. So there's there's always a tension, I think, in in the work of mentors. There are some absolutely fantastic practices, there are some fantastic mentors, and many student teachers or NQTs will cite their mentor as the main influence on them as they become teachers. Mm -hmm. So it's one in which very um, strong relationships can be forged. But those are forged through hard work and that hard work is, as I've said, often kind of uncelebrated really. Um, The mentors are committed individuals, Um, they are passionate about their work but quite often they are layering that work into their their day job, and it becomes quite a um, a difficulty, I think, mm. for some of them to do really well.
0: Yeah, well, and it's it's something that they're not specifically financially rewarded for a lot of the time. Is Most that
1: right? often, I mean, in any partnership, in any regardless of what form of um, initial teacher education or, or training you are on, at whatever route, mm. there'll be some uh, partnership agreement which allows money to flow, if you like, so from the main provider to the host school. And then the host schools will use that money, um, hopefully, to fund the training process, hopefully to support the mentoring process. But very rarely, and probably not unreasonably, that money is not part of a mentor's salary. It is usually given, uh, used to um, support the training package as a whole. If we're lucky, mm-hmm. um, there's a few a few exceptions. I do know of some mentors who get a, a stipend mm-hmm. for their work, but I think that's becoming rarer. And certainly, um, it isn't something which people uh, choose to do for a salary increase because that's it's not on the books as a salary increase. Sure.
0: What um, What research exists around mentoring in schools? Is this is this a fairly well researched area, or is it is it something that, that that researchers are just starting to
1: look at? No, I think it's been researched for quite a, a number of years um, and it's researched in um, a number of different locations, so there's a fair degree of research from the US, mm-hmm. uh, from Europe, from, from the UK, from Australia, for example... Um, and there's quite a lot of doctoral students who look at this area because often they've come through a mentoring route and they're quite interested in that area. Mm-hmm. But I think um, it certainly doesn't attract significant research funding. So the research that tends to exist um, creates opportunities for a small scale data collection, mm-hmm. for um, thinking differently about, well, how do we define the role of mentors? What are the tensions that exist in mentoring? What is the outcome of different different forms of mentoring but it's very rarely done at scale so um, and it's it's often um, certainly not as widely disseminated I think as some other educational research and and I have no um, knowledge of I, I wait to be corrected of any of the kind of randomised controlled trials around mentoring, not that I think that would be necessarily appropriate, but it's not—it's not on that kind of level. Right, right. So it's, it tends to be small scale mm-hmm. and often undertaken by teacher researchers who are keen to improve the experience of their student teachers, yeah. um, or people who they have responsibility for as NQTs, mm-hmm. um, rather than on the on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. The exception, perhaps, being going back ten years when cura were commissioned mm-hmm. by the. Uh, whatever, it wouldn't have been the DfE then, whoever it was then, <laughs> to, um, to scope out the practices of coaching and mentoring in English schools and to um, create a framework for coaching and mentoring in schools. So I think that was probably, in England, the last time a, a proper-sized project mm-hmm. was undertaken.
0: I mean. What were some of the, the key findings of that that project, if you if you know, or um, or if you, or if you're not that familiar with those mm-hmm. findings, um, you know, what have you come across uh, in terms of the small scale research that's been going on?
1: Okay, so I think it depends when you look at this. I mean, uh, and also obviously what your focus is. But there's 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 a there's a body of research that suggests that mentoring is um, very much a practice which is undertaken, if you like through the through the personalities of the people involved, mm-hmm. so both from the point of view of the mentor but also the mentee. Mm-hmm. This is a, a relationship which works both ways. Mm-hmm. And if you like, the, the type of practices that emerge, the nature of the support, for example, mm-hmm. will depend on, on both the mentor's understanding of their role, but also their um, the way in which they themselves engage with the knowledge base for teaching mm-hmm. and the way in which they perceive um, the training process and the notion of of being a novice um, in an education system, you know, practising as a novice in an education system. Right. So there's a, there's a fair degree of research that starts to define the types of relationships that cr- are created. Mm-hmm. So the extent to which those are, for example, quite directive mm-hmm. or maybe more open and a bit more nuanced. There's also um, a fair degree of research that tries to explore the differences between coaching And mentoring, Mm -hmm. because these two practices kind of coexist in some settings, both nationally and institutionally. Mm -hmm. Um, They drift, you know, one person can be both, both a coach and a mentor to the same person or to different people. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's been a a fair bit of, um, if you like, conceptualization of the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. And then more recently, I think a lot of the research evidence is. Um, exploring some of the tensions within mentoring and the reason why those tensions exist, and that relates to cultural um, conditions in schools, for example, uh, schools being very performance driven, schools being quite risk averse in terms of student teachers and their developing practice, uh, schools being, um, you know, graded as being outstanding or good individual teachers up until very recently often carrying around a label Mm -hmm. as outstanding or good Mm -hmm. and and having that as an identity which kind of infiltrates their Mm -hmm. their mentoring work and then alongside that the whole issue of student teachers working through a system in which they themselves know they're going to be graded Mm -hmm. and actually the mentor being a significant component of that grading. Mm -hmm. So there's been quite a lot of work that looks at that tension, so Andy Hobson and Angie Mulderes' work, for example, and my work, yeah. they tend to expose that as an issue, mm-hmm. not to kind of say, we're all doomed, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this can't work, yeah. but to actually start to fathom out how we might work more productively in the future. Because um, that, that tension is real and can be one of the contributors to um, early career teachers d- departing, you know, leaving, yeah. feeling that actually they're not making progress. Or a sense of uh, deflation amongst early career teachers when, if you like, they've been um, they've been kind of pumped up to, you know, you're outstanding. We need to sh- we need to show you that that you're outstanding because otherwise our Ofsted grades aren't going to be good enough. But actually, in reality, knowing that nobody's outstanding and having that those occasions where that bubble is burst can be quite a a demotivating Quite a experience situation. so it's so the kind of a lot of the research recently has been around that that mm. tension really mm. um and and the other aspect of this really is that sense that as we said mentoring being a bit overlooked as an activity that needs a resource and time and skilled skilled work mm. it it always exists alongside the day job yeah so there are no people who are just mentors yeah why would there be these people are also teachers and even if they're handing their classes over to their student teacher Mm -hmm. um, for a period of time the responsibility for that class's performance remains with that teacher and that tension um kind of sometimes micromanaging the student to Mm -hmm. ensure that there aren't any dips in progress Mm -hmm. um and sometimes um yeah just the anxiety about how to mentor effectively when actually the workload associated with being a teacher is so big. It's quite a a big deal, really. Yeah, it's
0: a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned uh, there some of the research around the differences between um, coaching and mentoring. I imagine that, um, like me, probably a lot of people aren't that clear on the differences between the two. Would Mm -hmm. you be able to just explain a little bit more about that?
1: Um, I can. I think the differences are are interpreted differently according to which workplace culture you're in so there are um, alternative meanings for coaching and mentoring in different countries for example often um, they are conflated so the, that it, we just talk about coaching and mentoring or mentoring and coaching mm-hmm. and it's kind of left to the user if you like or the doer to try and define what the difference is but if we're thinking about um, let, let's let's think about England because uh, you know that's where my research sits mm-hmm. we In in an education system, we are used to referring to mentors as people who support individuals at significant career transition stages, in particular at the induction into the profession. So whether they are trainee teachers or student teachers, as as I'd rather they were known, um, or whether they are NQTs. So in that early career phase, when they are going from essentially unqualified to demonstrating that they're worthy of qualification to being qualified, to yes. then securing the NQT, um, like the, those um, QTS, qualified teacher status after the year. We often see mentors as being um, very much engaged in that process and certainly the documentation that is provided by the DfE, that is provided by Ofsted, that is provided by all the different teacher education partnerships, will use the term mentor to define that role. So that means essentially that a mentor takes a lead uh, role in supporting what is essentially quite a novice teacher into securing um, evidence against the standards so that they can demonstrate qualification and the right, if you like, to um, you know a proper job yes. in this world. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know the mentor has quite a holistic view of that Mm -hmm. student teachers or that trainee teachers development it may be for quite a short period of time so quite a lot of of university or school direct provision for example includes quite short placements Mm -hmm. so you may only be working with your mentor for a few weeks Mm -hmm. but even so they take a degree of responsibility for your development over that period of time and also for making a judgment of your progress against standards Mm -hmm. by the end of that period of time and then, of course, some mentors will work with student teachers for longer or for an NQT for a full year. But it is marking that specific career trajectory, uh, career change. They play, in, in, in an ideal world, they play a really important um, facilitative role between like, the training as a whole, mm-hmm. what is expected of that trainee teacher, that student teacher in terms of their professional um, training in terms of perhaps their master's level uh, work if they're following a a postgraduate PGCE. Mm -hmm. And the mentor needs to kind of understand all of those requirements on that student teacher to make um, a difference to the outcomes. Mm -hmm. Um, And the mentor is also responsible for all the quality assurance around that. not wholly responsible. There'll usually be other people in the partnership that support that, but playing a really significant role, ensuring that uh, student teachers are treated equitably, they're all given a, a genuine opportunity to do well, and to um, have an adequate level of of support. And you know that that support comes alongside the notion of being a critical friend, so somebody who's able to say, "We need to work on. You need to work on. We need to set these targets as priorities," and actually. I can help you get there. So a mentor is very critical at that point. But as I've said, in England, the key element that often distinguishes them from coaches is the fact that they're part of a system of uh, measuring and judging progress. And they report both to the student, they feed back to the student on progress being made, but also they report into the system. Mm -hmm. So um, they are really critical in that assessment role. Um, A coach, again lots and lots of variations um, of types of coaching Mm -hmm. (laughs) lots of variations of purposes of coaching but most people would suggest that a coach is um, associated with um, supporting the person that they're coaching so a coachee to establish more of their own goals, to identify their own ways forward in developing their practice and um, to Ask the right questions to prompt more critical, reflective thinking. Mm -hmm. That is a really grand ideal. Mm -hmm. It's quite hard to achieve when you're in an urgent, busy workplace where performance targets keep coming at us all the time. Mm -hmm. So one of the issues with coaching, as we know it outside of education, is when you put it into education, it can become more wrapped up in the performance management system. Mm -hmm. It can become something because it's a resource that has to be rationed because there's never enough of anything Mm -hmm. um, in education to support teachers then it often gets directed towards teachers who are um, at risk of uh, competency uh, proceedings so you know the last resort might be let's provide you with a coach see Mm -hmm. if that makes a difference that does nothing for the if you like the name of coaching, okay, that often makes coaching feel like yeah. you know the last thing you want to be involved with. Mm. Um, and then at the other end of the scale, coaching can seem a bit woolly and a bit fluffy and a bit unrelated to the actual day job because it can seem as if it's all to do with um, you know teachers feeling better about themselves. Okay. And I don't say that lightly. Teachers need to feel better about themselves, and coaching can play a really critical role. Mm. But there is a strong relationship between. How a teacher works in a classroom, how effective they are, and they feel in that classroom, and how they will feel about themselves. Mm-hmm. So, coaching can support that. Mm-hmm. There are um, brands of coaching. So, we have quite a lot of leadership coaching in education in the UK. You know, where people moving into leadership roles offered coaching to support them in kind of moving into that new part of their um, part of their professional career. And at the very top end, we have some interesting scenarios where coaches are not educators, where they come in from other industries, other businesses, because they're they're seen as being able to offer clean coaching Mm -hmm. without any um, tendency to offer advice. And then at the other end of the scale on coaching, we've got instructional coaching, which comes from the work by Jim Knight in the US. Mm -hmm. And that is coaching which is very specifically about classroom practice and very specifically about particular details of that classroom practice and the coach is somebody who is an expert in that area and has the skills to coach in that area so that kind of coaching is about as far away as you can get from the very clean coaching which is supposed to be unrelated to anything uh, contextual and more about how the individual is thinking about their role. See. So there's a coaching has many 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 different yeah. forms.
0: So it's that, it sounds very very sort of layered and, and complicated mm. um, thinking about all those different elements. I mean, but just just uh, in a nutshell, if you can, um, what what are some of the things that teachers need to be aware of in terms of how to uh, mentor and or coach effectively? What are some of the key elements to effective effective mentoring?
1: Okay, well I would say that whether you're talking about coaching or mentoring, there's A huge um, component of relationship building Mm -hmm. of creating a situation in which um, trust is developed through the the relationship Mm -hmm. and that trust is built on a clear understanding of what each other's roles are within that partnership, what the the expectations are within that partnership but also an understanding of when confidentiality is needed Mm -hmm. because learning to teach whether you are brand new into the job or whether you've been in the job for 20 years and are still learning, we're all still learning, Mm -hmm. often creates a high degree of vulnerability so the mentor or the coach can help to uh, come into that space of vulnerability and allow that to be a very productive space because it does not it's not a negative space necessarily, it can be a highly productive space because it's one in which we explore some of the tensions, some of the dilemmas some of the difficulties so that trust in whichever whether it's coaching or mentoring is really really critical mm-hmm. um, I would also say that whether you're working as a coach or a mentor, paying very close attention to um, the nature of the dialogue mm-hmm. um, that uh, affording, um, if you like, the person you are working with a high degree of respect in the way that you talk with them. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody in this zone is a professional, however new they are, who however vulnerable they are, however expert they think they are. We are all actually working in a professional space, and um, that high that 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 kind of that, that high degree of respect that is offered to each other is is really essential. Um And that should come through in the nature of the conversations so again you know you could you could argue that I 'm blurring the boundaries here, but I don't think it makes any difference if you're working as a mentor or a coach or if you're in the role of a mentee or a coachee, then I think you should expect to be not just supported but also challenged. These are opportunities for professional growth and learning you can't learn if you 're not supported you can't learn if you 're not prepared to accept the challenge um, and actually that comes through the the conversation um, and that conversation depending on what you're doing whether it's mentoring or coaching might be more target orientated might be more performance orientated if we're talking about particular standards that have to be achieved or might be more open and more divergent but paying attention to the quality of that and actually recognizing how difficult it is to secure that quality mm-hmm. because often as teachers our minds are somewhere else yeah so you're a teacher first and a coach second, usually, sure, or a mentor yeah. second. Your mind will often be somewhere else. So kind of pulling yourself into that space, mm-hmm. being present in that space and recognising where the person is that you're working with mm-hmm. is really critical.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it sounds like coaching or, and, and or mentoring are really, um, it's a really important part of the, the process um, what can we do to raise the profile of mentoring in schools because I mean as you mentioned at the start or we were talking about at the start it's this kind of Cinderella thing in schools
1: how can we how can we change that um well I think there are some positive moves so one of you know there is now a set of uh, professional standards for mentors that the DFE have published and I don't um I I think that helps because at least it acknowledges that this is an area of work that is critical and that actually standards are important that we do it as well as possible so I'm quite um, glad that it was paid attention to at that stage I think it's really essential that those standards uh, keep being uh, kind of reconsidered to make sure that that they are fit for purpose that they are actually being used they're not statutory so and I would be a bit averse to saying they should be statutory but on the other hand if coaching and mentoring is going to have the impact that it might well have, then there does need to be some obligation on the part of the people who give, enough, give time to it to make sure it's done well. So I think having, p- paying attention to it you know, at, at policy level matters. There are potentially moves afoot around the early career framework to write mentoring and coaching even more firmly into those early years of, of professional support. But it's harder to do that than it is to come up with a new curriculum for training and then to franchise out that training and then to insist that everybody attends a body of training because it is so it it happens behind closed doors and it happens between two individuals and those those people will bring their own as I said before, personalities too, it is slightly harder to secure the quality of coaching and mentoring than it is to say, well, if we have a curriculum for training and everybody goes, mm-hmm. and then we have a model of assessment that we all apply, we mm-hmm. can kind of nail that. Mm-hmm. However, having said it, it's harder, I think it's the more important thing yeah. that we get the coaching and mentoring right. I think that acknowledging um, the wider value that, that really good professional conversations as are possible through coaching and mentoring can add to a you know an individual's life experience at work I think acknowledging that makes a big difference mm-hmm. so for example when the NFER uh, published their workforce dynamic um, dynamics report recently uh, teacher workforce dynamics report they used the I well they had evidence uh, from their research about um The importance of teachers feeling feeling engaged Mm -hmm. with their work, and I think that as teachers, you know, as we talk more about our work with somebody who is a good listening ear and provides us with the challenge to make us think more deeply, Mm -hmm. and creates the space in which we can be productive, that's one way that we might facilitate this sense of engagement. Mm -hmm. We feel less alone in it we feel more attached to others who share a common interest in it and also we have the opportunity to articulate some of the dilemmas rather than try and push them away so i think that if we can start to explore whether coaching and mentoring well i believe coaching and mentoring does offer a way to create greater levels of engagement if but if we can prioritize that Mm -hmm. as a means to make teachers feel that this is a job that belongs to them and that they belong to. Mm-hmm. That, that, I think that's quite a critical thing. Yeah. And then I think the other thing that we need to do is ensure that the, the work that is out there in um, if you like the research journals, but also the good work that's done by people who are committed to this area is actually shouted about and celebrated. And mm-hmm. you know this is a bit where I'll advertise <laughs> collective <laughs> ed. So at Leeds Beckett University, we've created um, a research and practice centre called Collective Ed, mm-hmm the hub for mentoring and coaching and what we're deliberately trying to do there is create um, spaces in which are in the work of coaches and mentors and the impact of that work can be both scrutinized but also celebrated and also developed so that notion that this is something that we can do well Mm -hmm. that we can do better that actually provides a very genuine investment in the profession and creates actually not just a sense of engagement from the person being coached but also, or mentored, also the other way around. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence that says when done well, both the mentors and the coaches feel a, gr- a great sense of, a, of gain, if you like, that their professional work is enhanced through this. So celebrating that, hearing the voices of people who do this work mm. and also acknowledging through those voices where the tensions exist and helping those tensions to be resolved mm. is really critical. So making this something which is on people's horizon. Yeah. And if you like that, the horizon becomes closer to them as something which is worth engaging with, I think is, is really critical.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you think that uh, this is an area that teachers recognise the importance of at the moment?
1: I do. I think, well, the first thing to recognise is that every single teacher who's gained qualified teacher status has been mentored. That doesn't mean every single teacher has the, a rosy picture. Because you know, to be fair, some people will say I had a miserable time with my mentor, mm-hmm. but the majority of people will say that actually it was a it was a useful, if not, and some of them will say, a very powerful um, component of their professional learning. So the one advantage we've got is that if we can get it right for the people who are being mentored, it raises the status of mentors in their minds because they see it as something which has huge value Mm -hmm. and which kind of launched them into their career. So I think a lot of people genuinely want to become mentors. Mm -hmm. And what's um, fantastic is when that desire to be a mentor, because if you're an educator, that notion of bringing people on, supporting, learning can be applied both to you know whether you're talking about 5 year olds 11 year olds 18 year olds or or new teachers it's the same drive it's the same motivation so a lot of people actually are very enthusiastic to be mentors one of the issues becomes uh, when being a mentor becomes um, a paper chase or becomes a bureaucratic burden because of the all of the you know the components Everything that are layered on schools, yeah. or when being a mentor is something which actually tips them out of the kind of you know out of the coping space Mm -hmm. where actually it's yet another burden on their workload Mm -hmm. but that doesn't happen to everybody and we really need to make sure it it isn't common because that's a very poor outcome for everybody Um, so I think we've got a a significant number of people who are motivated to be mentors and that would be evidenced in you know all across the country people are um, engaging in mental training mental development coaching training coaching development Um, and I think when people do that, and it goes beyond the mechanisms of coaching. So these are the forms you need to fill in. This is how often you need to meet. These are the ways we set targets. If you can go beyond that, people become really quite enabled and engaged with it. I think one of the um, the difficulties that we have is that, as I've said already many times, we are adding this into a very heavy workload. And uh, at the moment, the evidence would suggest, the anecdotal evidence at least, would suggest that often people say well I'll mentor this year but please don't ask me next year because it's it's actually an additional workload or um, and what we don't necessarily get is a substantial cohort of individuals in schools who have mentoring as a sustained and consistent part of their job year on year on year and you could argue that if the same people are mentoring year on year on year you're not letting new people through well that Inevitably, you are because some people will move on to other roles, retire, whatever. So there's a, there's always going to be a through flow. But certainly, um, my experience would suggest that when I started working in teacher education sort of eighteen years ago, for the first five or six years in that job, my group of mentors that I worked with were quite consistent year on year on year and there was quite a lot of opportunity for them to develop over time and become more expert mentors and and had the time to come together and support each other as a cohort of mentors attached to a particular program to ensure that the mentoring quality was as good as it could be and nowadays it's hard to get mentors to come to training if it's in school time because schools can't let them out um it's often the case that mentors will only mentor for one or two or three years and it'll be a bit interspersed with all sorts of other things. So that notion of actually having mentoring as a substantial part of your professional profile that you probably will do for 10 to 15 years, that you will become an expert mentor through, Mm -hmm. an invaluable resource is probably... We're we're probably a little way off that again. Mm -hmm. We were there before, but I think we we need to spend a bit more time doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think... um, You know, there's always opportunities. We don't always have to just be downhearted about this stuff. Uh, One of the things we can do is we can explore what's going on in other countries. Not everywhere has mentors, lots of people lots of training provision gets by without them but where they have them identifying where it's working and why it's working and seeing how we can drag that into our own systems would be really worthwhile mm,
0: So lots of uh, lots of causes for optimism i uh, would hope so yes, <laughs> yes i would hope so thank you very much rachel it's been a really interesting discussion
1: well you're very welcome it's been great to come and talk to you thank you very much thank you